This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. Gentlemen, we're back. Back on the mics. And we're talking about L.A. Confidential on the hush hush in my best Danny DeVito voice I can do. What up, Bill Mo? What up, Taylor? What's going on, my guys? I was going to wait for Taylor. Don't speak at the same time. <laughs> dude, I, I usually give you one or the other. Yeah, dude. You know Welcome what? Welcome to the streets of L.A. It's 1950. <laughs> Every working man has the perfect home and the perfect family. Mickey C. Slinging cocaine across the streets. Hush, hush. Oh, man. I'm so excited to talk about this movie, dude. This is a, That's pretty a, good. This is a great movie. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. You know the movie's great the second DeVito hits the narration. Yeah. It's the and perfect sleazy tone to t- kick this thing off. It's very true. He does have a, he does have a great narration to this. Uh-huh. So I guess, I mean, we can... I, I've been curious this whole time until right now when I asked the question, why why this movie? I mean, I know you proposed it, and I was not obviously against it because I will take any excuse I can to rewatch this movie. So I was pleased to hear you say it, but I'm very curious as to why you chose this one just for a, you know, a, what, 20, 30, no, 25-year-old movie at this point? Yeah. Yeah, well, it was two parts. One, I wanted to resurrect our Under the Radar Mm. segment because yeah. i like the pod because we talk about what's topical what's coming out but i also want to give the listeners something to go visit maybe they wouldn't think to visit okay and so i was like all right what's a good one to go back to scream to me la confidential and why is that and it's partly what i want to figure out with both of you on the the pod today this movie does isn't talked about very much in the lexicon of movies the 90s had a bunch of great kind of crime thriller type movies seven usual suspects i mean keep going you guys can throw out more movies i'm sure yeah. off the top this uh, movie is pulp not fiction th- pulp the matrix fiction. you know yeah like the list Good goes fellas. on yeah. this whole genre of stuff in la confidential i swear doesn't get mentioned ever and i listen to quite a few different kind of movie podcasts tv podcasts it's not really in the lexicon and i wonder why to some extent, I'm like, is it the Kevin Spacey effect that we just don't talk about content that had Kevin Spacey in? But I don't think that's a good enough reason to put this one on the shelf because there no. is some fantastic shit in this movie. Well, yeah. like I remember watching this movie before all the Kevin Spacey stuff went down, right. like during the House of Cards era, and people still weren't talking about this movie, and just like casually bringing it up, like not a lot of people in my life casual movie fans have like seen this movie like it's not one that like i feel like collectively you could like reference that people know like it Mm -hmm. seems like and it's weird because you go on imdb and it's got like a killer killer rating over an eight yeah out of ten which is pretty good for imdb you don't see that very often it's definitely top 250 100 percent. no i i totally agree and i yeah i mean it's true i mean i listen to a lot of movie podcasts too and i feel like it's just not like I mean, is it the most quotable movie? Probably not. 
I mean, and maybe really. that's why it hasn't mm. stuck around in people's heads as much because generally the ones that, you know, I mean, think of all the, the movies that we just mentioned. I mean, you can quote on, you know, and just on end, you know, it just, yeah. I, I look, Goodfellas, you can quote forever. You can quote Dumb and Dumber. You can quote Pulp Fiction. You can quote, you know, all of these movies, these these ones that are talked about in lexicon seem to be more quotable. And I'm curious, I mean, I guess it's an interesting thing about this movie is I can't really think of all, I mean, yes, there are quotes I can say, but it's not a lot of things that other people would know. Just, right. Like, they wouldn't get it. And so. There's, yeah, there's no signature lines from this movie. I don't feel like the only Even... one I can think of is, is Russell Crowe's. I mean, Russell Crowe has some great lines in this, but <laughs> dude, he's got uh, the best name ever, Bud White, but yeah. he's fueled by Bud Light. You know, it. that guy is pounding Bud Lights all day. <laughs> right before oh. he kills some wife beater, dude, he's got four in him. I'll wait, but like, I'll, I'm sure we're going to go into each of We've the got three a lot. main characters yeah. deeper, but I'll save my thoughts, but. 100% agree. So it's a it's a curious case, and I agree the quotability of this movie is pretty low. Like, I've seen it a couple times. I don't really have a good line that I would throw at you guys, and maybe you you know, you know, got a better memory than I do. Let's get some stats off the top. Like Tay said, very well rated. I think it's got a 90 Metacritic. It's got an 8.2 audience score on IMDb, which is anything above an 8 on IMDb is generally like a very solid movie. So this has got a good rating. It was Academy nominated. It had an Academy winner. I think it had best it had nine Oscar noms. Yeah, and it had best supporting actress and actor. So Spacey and Basinger took it. Or no, no, that that's a lie. Spacey was, was nom. Spacey was a nom. Best actress was Kim Basinger, mm-hmm. and then it won best writing screenplay. Yep. Exactly. And it, and it who who did it lose to? Do you know for best picture? And it was ninety seven. Is this the Titanic year? It was Titanic. Yeah. That was Titanic year. So Behemoth. <laughs> so why was so I convinced was... that Kevin Spacey won in this? He won American Beauty. Yeah, but he has two Oscars right? from he... the nineties. Yeah. I think he did win American Beauty, but I thought he won Usual Suspects was the other one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He kinda had an incredible nineties run. He's the yeah. king of the nineties, dude. He He's really so killed it. I like. I'm honestly right now. I'm like stunned. I I just like. Oh yeah, he won best supporting in L.A. Confidential. I don't know why I was. That was just in my head. He's great in this. He's so that, great. So let's throw out the cast. We got C- Russell Crowe, Bud, our Bud character. <laughs> Do you want to give us the synopsis of each of these characters? I think I want to hear your assessment of each of okay. these people. All right. So there's three titular <laughs> characters in this in this movie. We got Bud White. His real name's Wendell White, but everyone calls him Bud <laughs> for some reason. Bud is a no-nonsense, hyper-aggressive cop working the beat in Los Angeles. He's got a thing against violence against women. Goes back to his past. If you commit any violence against a woman, he's going to beat the shit out of you and possibly murder you. Without, <laughs> without question. He's yes. kind of a loner type. No nonsense. Drinks alone. That's that's our guy, Bud. Then we got kind of his counterpart. We got Ed Exley. Great He's name, too. Great yeah. names in this movie. Just yeah. great character names yes. all the way around. <laughs> Ed Exley is the preppy, book-smart college boy of the police department. Everyone hates him. He's the snitch. He's a very idealistic cop. He's got mm-hmm. a very 
strong sense of justice. He's by the book. And he's, you know, he's has his dad's shadow. You know, yes. he kind of has that all like built in fame and pride in himself from his dad do, doing, you know, running the force in his day. Dad's a legend, died in the uh, line of duty, line of duty. So that's that's a big part of that character. OK. And then we got Jack Vincent's. Great name. Great cool name. <laughs> cool name. <laughs> um, so Jack's a veteran cop. He's kind of lost his way a little bit. He is working closely with Danny DeVito's character, a crime reporter for a kind Could of be a, like a TMZ in like the crime TMZ, section. Yeah, yeah. Crime magazine. He takes payoffs and kind of works with him to catch celebrities in the act in crimes. And he's also the technical advisor for a TV show called Badge of Honor. And he's he plays a guy, he does a really good job of being a guy that like has lost his moral compass mm-hmm. and doesn't and he feels truly lost like as a person. It feels extremely blurry how he's <laughs> yeah. actually a yeah. cop at all. Like he yeah. doesn't seem like a cop. He shows up on a film set and then the one thing he does on the duty is essentially frame a young actor and actress with some marijuana and bust them, you know, and takes the <laughs> yeah. day off. Like, we're like, all right, this but, is how we do business around here, I guess. And like, he's an extremely cool cat and he knows how to be a good cop. He's, he's done his time. You can tell he just knows how to operate. He knows how to get things done and to work within the confines of the police department, which Ed actually hasn't learned yet. Yep. Yep. Edex is a little too direct with his uh, ambitions, and I also, he's trying to move up the ranks. I hate Ed Exley for the first <laughs> half of this movie. I cannot stand that guy. But I'll save till we get a little deeper. Oh, I'll stop. So Guy Pierce is like one of his first roles, I think, like one of his biggest roles that he's in at this point. From what yeah, I, I guess tell. I never looked and see what he had done before L.A. Confidential. Let me. A big Pulls part of up. this I read was that they wanted somebody a little no-name to be in this space and kind of spread out that, like, what's going on between the three of them to be a little more, you know, get Ambiguous. you up the scent. Yeah, get you yeah. up the scent of what might be going on. And that's something that's just done to perfection in this movie is you really don't have a good clue on who to root for through the first, I don't know, half you're kind of just yeah. getting a feel for what's going on. You're like, well, oh, these all all these guys seem pretty pretty shitty in their own ways, and the, and that's something that I really appreciate about this movie is that juxtaposition between that yes. idyllic 1950s where it's so wholesome, these clean, yeah. beautiful communities, and then you get this just honestly vile, violent seedy. police force, seedy police force with these gangs that they're fighting and everyone just seems so corrupt yet everything is so polished and it looks like these like things you see from you know well, olden times of like oh things are great but they're really pretty bad and it's kind of yeah. echoes kind of what we see today in our society that's very obvious now but what were you gonna say Tay? i feel like it has a very distinct feel because rather than go all out on making like using 1950s film techniques to make this movie. They used modern 1990s film techniques for a movie set in 1950, which makes it feel different than other timepiece films, right? Like rather than making like a copy of a 1950s crime noir thriller, 
they gave it a modern touch, but the the old settings. You get this like kind of hit of nostalgia, but it doesn't feel old. Like it's, I I think it's an interesting, interesting feel. Yeah, I think it it feels fresh, you know, and unique. It it definitely has a standout, you know, as as a movie in the '90s. I feel like like it's, yeah. I mean. Uh, going off some of the things you said ben is i love the idea that you don't really in, in pretty much the whole movie you don't really n- n- no character is perfectly explained to you that you are supposed to root for mm-hmm. it is it is left to the audience to kind of just side with you're you're feeling out the room of each scene of the movie like you got a bunch of characters and whenever you're inside a room with someone you're just there to feel it out. Like, okay, this guy feels kind of scummy. You know, this yeah. guy feels kind of, okay, this guy feels kind of like he has some good, like you're, you're literally just left to feel out the room of each scene. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so engaging is because you can never really rest on the fact that like, oh, here's the good guy doing good guy stuff. It's like, no, everyone's kind of always doing good and bad things. This whole movie mm-hmm. and up to the very last point. And so, I think it's just interesting that with that approach, I think that's what makes it so engaging is you're always kind of on your toes. You're, you're always kind of forced to pay attention to everything that the characters are doing and saying, and you're just kind of feeling out the room. And that's kind of the the phrase that stuck with me is like, you're just really left feeling out these kind like, like, for example, look, what's the character's name? Bud White's old partner. Um, Stenzlin. 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 Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the guy's a scumbag. Just, yeah, how you introduced to him? You hey. only share like three scenes in the whole movie with him, and it, you just know he's a complete scumbag. And you've really, and you honestly haven't really seen him do anything really horrible. Like the jail fight scene. Yeah, there people are, but everyone kind of gets involved in that. And so, like, but they do it. Like, I think that's a really hard thing to do. Is they're able to convey that to you just by this guy embodying this scumbag character. And it's like, you just immediately feel the sleaze coming off this guy. And yeah. he's barely said anything in the whole movie. I mean, and showing... it's like that with every character. <laughs> the, there is this level of self-interest that's tied to every character that hits the screen. Yes. And you're like, Hmm. Okay. guess we got to get a feel for what's really happening in the yeah. broader scheme. Yeah, Stanson's great because he shows up, what, drunk, very first scene, just the ride-along partner in the yeah. back of the cop car. Uh, he's, a, he's a year from his pension, guys. Give him a break. Yeah. yeah. So, so we get a the first time we get all three of them together, they're back at the station. It's a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And they bring in some uh, Mexican men that were just – what were they doing? Honestly, they were just – around when something happened and they all got arrested it's they're not near very clear a, yeah they're it near is a unclear. scene they're near every crime scene that they think some other cops got beat up or attacked by so they bring them all in and basically that's their christmas party is they get to go downstairs and beat the crap out of some people that probably didn't do anything at all <laughs> and we watch and this is a titular part of this movie or very like a very important part of this movie because we see stenzlin our boy go down there start beating up on somebody for no good reason and then what happens? It escalates, of course, right? And so all these guys are starting to fight. And our boy Exley, he's trying to break it up, trying to keep 
keep the peace. Yeah. It's Christmas. We don't need to do this, guys. Let's not fight. He's trying to prevent all the guys like, hey, party's upstairs. Let's, you know. Right. He's, he's the really goody goody. <laughs> he is. He's trying to keep things keep things smooth. Um, yeah. Even. He's definitely trying to keep everything out. Exactly. But, of course, Bud's down there, and, you know, he's a man of principle. And if somebody attacks his partner, like this Mexican that was, you know, unprovoked beat the shit out of by this guy, he's going to protect him. So Bud gets involved. That's not why. That's not why he fights, dude. Oh, why is it? One of the Mexicans says, go fuck your mother to, <laughs> that's right. to Bud. Yeah, that's, right. What, that's why he that's hits right. him, dude. <laughs> right. But he got involved because Stens was getting fought. Say anything about women around Bud. It's yeah. a bad idea. And then it I wasn't love, for Stens, dude. And then I love Kevin Spacey's involvement comes because he got blood on him. Because <laughs> yeah. he got blood like, on him. It hurt his got, image. He always, he's always, yeah, it hurt his image. He's like, he's got always got this nice white jacket. He got blood on me. Okay, I'm going to uh-huh. beat the shit out of you. It's like, it's so I love that, like... Each one, you can see what provokes each person. Like, that's just part of their character and their personality that comes out in those moments. Exactly. They're Thank all provoked you. by different things. And it's just kind of all put on this platter for you to see. Like, okay, this is what's driving all of them. So all this shit goes down. And then it turns out, you know, people find out because the press are there. They see this fight. And so, of yeah. course, it gets broadcast. And this leads to a very critical part. Is like, how are they going to handle it internally? And so they asked Bud, hey, Bud, we need you to snitch on your partner, say it's his fault. Bud, of course, says, hell no. Here's my badge. Here's my gun. I'm out. Yeah. What does our boy Exley do? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Where do I sign? Who do I Who do I rat on? I'm here for this. All right. Also, he wants to get rid of Bud also. Yes. Yeah. He thinks, yeah, he thinks Bud should be, he's off the force for good. Like, Because he sees him as a dog, right? Just a yeah. guy running around beating the shit out of everybody, which is not a poor assessment. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. So, so Exley cuts his deal. He gets promoted very quickly up into, and I don't know the ranks, but he's essentially Lieutenant. an homicide. Lieutenant. Yeah, Lieutenant, homicide. Lieutenant Detective. Right. And he's skipped a bunch of people. Obviously, everyone in the force is going to hate him. You're a snitch. He's playing the politics game. 100 he's, he's fine playing into the politics of it. it he sees it getting him to a certain image a certain point every single time a picture is taken of ed exley <laughs> he he tries to you know give this big tough look and like leans in. Just, you just yeah yeah leans into it like really leans into it because he loves this image of himself this percent this like kind of outside perception of what he looks like as a hero and mm-hmm. I don't know. He's willing to Well, he's very play. vain. Oh yeah. He's he's very much willing to play the politics game to get ahead. Bro, I could not like I hadn't thought of it before, but his Matt Damon in the departed vibes were off the charts in this movie. <laughs> and he for sure does. I didn't make that connection, but for in sure. skipping ahead, he gets two medals. And yeah. he gets that medal at the end of the movie, and it feels just like the medal that freaking uh, Damon gets. But obviously, yep. he earned it a little differently. But it was interesting just feeling that out the whole time. So I kind of had felt that the whole time. And going back to Bud, Bud's got that Mark Wahlberg vibe from The Departed. 100%. Just pissed for no reason, basically, at all times and in all moments. Okay, so then we got those two covered in this moment. And then we get Vicenz. And what does Vicenz do? in this part as far as testifying against the force. Okay. He, so 
basically the department threatens to take him off the TV show that he's working on if he doesn't snitch on someone. And so he compromises and says, I'll snitch on three guys that already got, are getting their pension. They're going to be totally fine. So yeah. much more pragmatic, but it refuses to snitch on like Bud, for example. Exactly. So we get this beautiful spectrum yeah. across these guys, right? On both and, ends and of the it's spectrum. on a span of like 10 minutes. You, yes. you like you understand where all of these guys are at on the spectrum. Right. And you look at him and you go, well, actually, you know, yeah, he got what he wanted, but at what cost? And same to Bud. But you look at Vicenz, you're like, well, this guy knows how to really play the game. Yeah. Because he stays in the game by how he approaches things. And he's very smart and he plays people well. And so mm-hmm. it sets up this whole thing for how they're going to approach the rest of the movie and all the information that they're given. And it shows in various scenes. And I just think it creates a tapestry that's really interesting to watch as it unfolds. And we don't have yeah. to obviously won't go through every scene. But that to me, watching it on a rewatch was just like, wow, this is a very dynamic way of approaching the moral ambiguity of yes. a position like being a police officer and how you might navigate it. We gotta talk about Captain Dudley, Dudley. though. Boyo. Crucial. Boyo. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, dude. Fantastic. Boyo. So Let's just say every one of these guys <laughs> deserves a statue. From I'm, this movie. I'm with it. Like I'm 100%. With it. The yes. supporting cast in this movie is phenomenal. It's dude. unreal. They're so good. Like Everyone's all these great. small <laughs> bit guys, dude. Uh huh. Just, just absolutely crushing it. The, the Pat, is it Patchett? I think that's his name. Yeah, Patchett for De- De- DeVito. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy who, the Florida Lee guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, oh. the who owns all I think the it's prostitutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Patchett. That's right. Patchett. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Great look. Solid dude. He's a cool. He's a cool cat. They need a casting Oscar. They do. Full across the board. And I Devito be at the scumbag taking the TMZ photos and buying everybody <laughs> off. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. It's so Buzz Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good dude. i mean from the smallest roles to the biggest yeah. presence in the movie i mean it's they really nailed it with this casting and captain dudley smith dude he's such a great character he's such a great character i love how loyal he is to bud he's always yeah. telling yes Exley, he's like you talk shit on bud but we need people like bud yeah he's willing to, to back him up and you know as we find out Dudley's obviously doing it for selfish reasons, you know, but it's probably <laughs> yeah. more likely to go along with what he's doing, um, you know, in his little racket that he's trying to scheme up as we find out. Um, but yeah, Dudley, I, here's the thing. Every single one of these characters, they just, they have just enough about them to bounce off one another. Yeah. Like it's just, ugh, every single character juxtaposed against the other is just fascinating. Because you, you, you get to see how each character develops with, you know, you bouncing off the other. Because we do see some arcs in this movie. Yes. It's not that everyone stays the same or, you know, ends up the same. But it is kind of funny because there are parts of, like, Eggsley's character that, to the at the very last moment, he still has some of that Eggsley in him. He wants that yeah. medal at the end. You know, like, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> He still he still wants the medal. Still he still wants it. to be the hero. But somebody's he has gotta get grown. it. Might as well be Exley, man. But at least his understanding of like Bud White's view and here's the th- I think it comes back to everyone's different perspectives and approaches on justice. I mean, Exley's 
approach on justice is very by the book. It's yeah. very rules and it's very rule based and also, you know, going up the ladder, you know, snitching. That's just what you that's the right thing to do. <laughs> so you're going to do it. But White's approach to justice is very street justice. You know, it's very and that's what Captain Dudley makes clear. It's like, hey, we need that. You know, but mm-hmm. we also need people like Exley because without both of them pursuing their own agenda or their their own, you know, perceptions of justice, you don't get the conclusion that we get. Something True. something's amiss, you know, for all we know Dudley actually gets away with it in the end. So I like how both of them Every character. I mean, even Kevin Spacey, we see his progression, you know, when he takes Mm -hmm. the $50 bill and he's looking at it and you have that, he has that moment of contemplation about what he, like, it's like what you said earlier, Taylor. It's like, he, he knows how to be a good cop. He's, he's served his time early on. He's just kind of learned how to like more game it and he realizes what it is. And so he's just going to make as much out of it as he can doing what he's been doing. But he, you know, he decides to set that aside and it costs him his life. And he I does. think Spacey, I don't, I don't give a shit what people say about Spacey. Dude. He, he deserved a freaking Oscar in this movie. And there's just He's, no question about it. I loved the, his character and I loved his performance in this. The scene between him and Exley, where he asks Exley why he became a cop. And he tells him the whole Rolo Tomasi story. Yes. And mm-hmm. then he's like, why did you become a cop? And he's like don't remember it's the yeah. delivery on that so is incredible it's so See, good and it's you just can... another layer it just makes so much sense for his character because he yeah like he's he's done his time but he's just lost his way and you honestly, feel remember. like 15 years of regret in that delivery his yes. face at the bar with the 50 dollar bill below yes it, which it you know converted to today's money that's like 500 bucks yeah that's how much that 50 yeah. is worth that's right that look on his face of just what am I doing? And like, what am I actually going to be worth? And, and that was a crucial moment, obviously, because it leads him to Dudley's house, which ended up being his death. But there's such a beautiful finality to that, that he'd finally made that turn to like being committed to being a real cop again, you know, actually doing the right thing. It well-deserved, well-deserved. I feel like, I mean, I've always appreciated Spacey's performance in this movie and his character, but I don't know why I think he might be like, the like the center of this movie in some he way is. shape or form like he, he really is he's the heart to me rewatch yeah yes it, it surprised me because he's very sleazy like he's doing sleazy things but for whatever reason the way he plays it i'm rooting for him the hardest out of yes. any single character yes. in the whole well, story he's he's playing it like it like an actor from the 50s would play that part in a way that i don't think crow or pierce are playing mm-hmm. their their characters yeah. like his character feels like a dude right out of a 1950s movie. Yeah. I think he more really so does. than the other two. And I agree, dude. He's he's incredible. Is it and also to think about, like, between Exley and Crow, or Exley and Bud, they're kind of over the top. In an, <laughs> a, I mean, Crow's character is, ex- like, well, like, he is, like, up there. When are we, we going <laughs> to talk about... When are we going to talk about the best scene in the movie? That's, that's So we need to talk about one more character, Kim Basinger. Yes, yes. She is also up. phenomenal, beautiful, phenomenal. Like, just knockout across the board, right? And she deserved her, her Oscar, one hundred percent. She delivers her lines in this like it felt old but new at the same time, mm-hmm. which is a theme with this movie. Like she that, just that femme fatale, femme fatale, vibe. right? And she's she knows more than she lets on. Yes, very mysterious, but it's this 
enthralling way that any man that crosses her path just wants to interact with her and obviously wants to have sex with her. Um, and she does that perfectly throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I want to know how you guys want to approach the rest of this plot because I think we can go major <laughs> plot points and kind of move to the end. Well, you've or, already. Or, I know, I know. I've I've kind of cut to some other things, but is it easier to go through each character's through line in this movie and talk yeah. about it that way? That might rather, be the best way because there's some we, key moments between get, all these characters that I want to talk about. <laughs> we got to get this out of the way. I know where you're going with this. I. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if I know where you're going with this. No, no dude. <laughs> it's the scene that doesn't make sense in this movie to me. To this but we day. have to work to that to okay. talk about it, I think. But yeah, right. I want to I discuss that heavily. So let's talk about Bud and Lynn. That's Kim Basinger's character, their relationship. Okay. Does it make sense? Like, did, did you find it believable the way they end up in a relationship? I mean, I... I did. I mean, okay. I don't. I don't know that I needed needed that much more. I mean, it's just obviously. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Kim Basinger's Kim Basinger, so yeah, she's going to attract every dude that crosses her path yeah. in this movie. And yeah, Bud happens to be one of them. And Bud is a, you know, he knows what line of work she's in, and but he's also very protective of women, and so it, he's kind of drawn to that because he thinks she's, you know, needs in her line of work needs this constant protection. And I think he's willing to kind of take on that role and obviously falls for, and you know how Basinger really falls for him. I don't know that I see that as much. I mean, I guess it's just, Hey, finally, here's a man that is, I don't know, not one of the, you know, she deals with sleazebags all day and cheaters. And here's someone who's actually trying to do by do right by her. I don't know. Maybe that's why. So that's where I'm like, I can see why he's into her, but he is really, really shitty to her in their only beginning interaction. Yeah. Mine is telling her that she's hotter than the uh, actress that she's imitating. Yeah. Right. He's like, no, you're fucking hot. And she's like, oh, OK, well, I like you, I guess. And I was <laughs> I like, wait, what? I don't know. Like, I think he was kind of negging her a little bit. Kind of like he was making her so. I mean, he was horrible to her. If the alternative is like four more scenes of them being like, "I hate sand," I agree. Like, I don't. I'm I'm cool. I'm cool with abbreviated relationship. I'm fine with it, dude. I like. It's important to the story. I'm cool with it. I think it's believable enough. I didn't want a new scene. I just thought he was extremely rude to her for her to just be like, oh, wait, he is like trying to protect me. But like, that's the just, well, that's the 50s, bro. I guess. I guess. That's okay. kind of the 50s vibe. <laughs> so so they create a relationship that's not built on money. It's built on like a genuine connection, right? He's he's not paying for his interactions well, and, with her. And he's kind of mysterious. And like, yeah, he's tough. He's kind of this like guardian guy, like the guardian of women and like looking for justice because of his troubled past i mean they could be attractive yeah yeah and so that that becomes a very crucial relationship Mm -hmm. because of how it's leveraged by the other characters in the story yeah and and in this movie and i was gonna ask about this as well there's a lot of stuff getting thrown around a lot of names a lot of things going on (laughs) money being moved drugs being sold people getting whacked it can be a lot to track and Following those details on a first watch, I think can get a little daunting on a rewatch. You kind of know where all the pieces kind of sync up, but at the heart of it, all three of these cops that we've referenced, they're all working to figure out why certain people are dying, 
who had the motive, who's in who's involved with who, and it'd be a lot to unpack kind of on a podcast, yeah. I think. But, but so like it I leads watched, to them all kind of converging at different points. I watched this movie twice in the past week. So I, I just watched it again today. But the montage with Danny DeVito is actually a very crucial there's a lot of crucial information to the mystery right. that's being told in that first three hmm. minutes that I think you're kind of, it's hard. I think when you're getting settled into a movie, you don't think about things too clearly, but basically everything that Danny DeVito talks about in that montage is what set the stage for all the events that happen in the movie. So right. like basically the big crime Lord just yeah, got Mickey busted Cohen. and there's Mickey a vacuum. Cohen, yeah. There's a vacuum in the organized crime realm yeah. in Los Angeles, which is yeah. completely setting the stage for everything that happens. But yeah, I think you could miss that if you're not thinking about it on first watch. Yeah. Sure. And, and and I agree. I do think it can come off as, as daunting on a first watch because there are so many names you have to remember. And some mm-hmm. people only get two scenes like right. Buzz Meeks and Stenzel. They have like no scene. So sometimes when they yeah. reference these characters, like, oh, who was that again? Like, oh, OK. And you're trying to there's a lot of moving pieces in this movie, which I have to give props to to directing it. It's like it's a very complicated story yes. you're trying to tell and what what was the runtime it's like only like two two and 15 i think yeah 215 i mean it's yeah i mean it, it's a very complicated story and i think they they did it as well as they could i mean i don't know what how else you can improve on how to piece this puzzle together in an engaging way yeah it's it's very well done and it works on a lot of levels because you can rewatch and see kind of how, oh, okay, this is what yes. that actually meant. And it gets, it's very satisfying in that way. So Bud and Lynn begin a relationship, but at this point he's Dudley's bodyguard, hitman, tough guy. Do and Dudley's the police commissioner. And so Dudley's bringing him to interrogate people, beat the shit out of people, try and get information. Exley and Vicenz are still as part of the force and they start to kind of work things the right way. Right. They're looking at yep. things and going, OK, this doesn't line up. Oh, they, they find some people like a horrific murder happens at a cafe. They investigate that. It's all super fishy. They bring in some black guys that just, you know, were essentially just planted with evidence to get screwed mm-hmm. over. Exley has a moment where he does his interrogation, which is one of the a pretty electric scene. Yes. Honestly, where he's interrogating them and he's got three guys in three rooms. And I don't know if this is a real thing or something they made for the movie, but essentially he has the ability to broadcast the interview of the person he's with to different rooms at different points by a yes. switch underneath the table. So he's able to basically drop in these other people in the other rooms that don't know what's going on, a part of a conversation that can make it seem like they're getting they're ratted snitching. out. Yeah. Yes. And they're going to lose their position. And he kind of plays that against all of them. I wanted to call that scene out. I, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I freaking no. loved it. And it made Exley kind of go up a few levels for you yes. when he pulls that off. Yes. I was going to bring this scene up for that reason. Because in the beginning, you know, we don't see, we, we think of Guy Pierce. You just, he seems like a guy who's just going to talk the talk. Yeah. He's there. He's new. He's, you know, very by the book. He's, you know, class president kind of guy. Just really wants to to go for it. And this is where you really see it's like, oh shit. Like he's good at what he's he got does. some moves. Yeah. Yeah. He's not just there he's to super smart. He's very <laughs> smart. And he's yeah, he's not just there to to put on a front. Like he's not like he doesn't just want everyone to think that he's the best when he's not. He thinks he's the best and he very well may be 
like the best at what he does because that yeah. scene yeah i i love that scene every time i watch it and you know and it shows in that room all the the police force they all are like wow like impressed by him like this isn't what we normally do like he's very good at it and so it does and uh, we, we, I, we might go i might be going back to this a lot but i this whole perception of justice this is where you kind of see his avenue working like mm-hmm. the way that he is approaching it you know as kind of boy scoutish as it appears works you know and like is necessary in the force and so i think it just it just is a good spotlight for i think Exley's approach on justice and his skill set there's a level of cunning that's not violent but it's just as kind of cruel and maybe yes. corrupt as yeah. the violence they use in the street yes right exactly and and that to me kind of was like all right this guy when the rubber hits the road he kind of has something yeah wasn't he has shown to pull out Yes. Right. Because it, it, it seemed like you said it was just him like smooth talker talking the shit. Yeah. You know, my dad, just, I'm going to ride the coattails of my dad. I'm okay. But no, he's actually done his homework and he's can do some really cool stuff. Yeah. But uh, the counter to that is that he also sees the limitations of his. Yes. His method. His method later on. Yep. As if right. Ben wants to continue, what happens next? Totally. So we're we're getting to this. Uh, so I I wanted to just call this plot point as a nitpick here. Uh, so the the three black guys they're investigating who honestly didn't do anything wrong but just had the guns planted on their place. One of them talks about a drug dealer that they got their shit from. Right, literally gives a name like mm-hmm. yeah this guy whatever. Somehow all three of them escape the prison in just like the chaos of something that happens, and they all go to that drug dealer's house. <laughs> like play cards yeah like like you did they really not realize that they had given that name up before well i was wondering that's why i was confused did i miss something i was wondering if there was corruption like if dudley like let them out and that could be because they wanted to be able to kill him to have like a finality to the case that's what i they don't explicitly say that, but that's what I assumed if there's a window open in a prison. But why did they run to the drug dealer's house that they already gave the name for? Maybe that was like the only place they could go. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember thinking, I was like, guys, you can't go there. That's the last yeah, place to go. I guess go. I never really made that connection of like, yeah, how did they get out? I mean, it has to be mentioned. They say there was a window that was a window open. Is that's open. all they say. Oh, okay, okay. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think totally Dudley knowing move. Dudley probably propped the window open allowed that to happen because yeah he needs finality to this so this can move on so this part it brings up something that i find interesting about the movie does anyone else think the gunfire in this movie is hella loud and explosive and like almost over the top it's almost like heat level as far as like loud it's it's not heat in the streets of la loud but it's pretty loud like it's mixed pretty loud i think i didn't find it distracting though no, I didn't find it distracting. No, Not it Christopher just... Nolan, yeah. <laughs> you know, drowning out you know, the dialogue distracting. Tenant no. on the sailboat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? It just felt like, it felt very loud compared to like, if you're watching a movie like Chinatown, like from the 70s, hmm. where the gunshots feel a little more. See, again, maybe this is did. the 90s filmmaking coming in. It's action-packed, you know, 90s era. I don't know. Right. That's, There's, the, that's that touch coming in. I think all the action scenes work really well. Yeah. And I I think they were blocked well. 
it felt like a pretty high level production for me in that sense too, along with everything else we've got going. So this whole setup with the, with the black guys, uh, actually gets a badge for bringing these people in it at this point for killing all of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Getting right. Hate another hate crime, racist crime against. And that's something that's kind of to be said as well. It's like anyone that's a minority in this movie is getting screwed, which yeah. is not and that, that plays to the fifties though. Right. And that's the thing is and you it's can, very intentional. You have to attribute that. Yeah. Very intentional to the time for sure. Right. And so it kind of shows that off at this point. It just still feels weird. Stuff is off. All three of the main guys are noticing this, right? Bud's noticing Yeah, it. in their own different ways. In their own ways. And they all have a piece of information that connects to the bigger piece of this yes. you know, mess that they're trying to figure out. And we have Dudley, who, spoilers at this point, we've been spoiling the whole time, he's at the center of all of it. He's the through line between all the corruption. And they're all slowly getting to that same conclusion. At this point, Bud and Lynn are in a relationship Exley and Vicenz find out that they're banging and they get that intel. And they're like, okay, well, she is a part of this with the prostitutes and the Fleur de Lis and the Pierce Patchett thing. The Pierce Patchett thing. So they're like, oh, okay, so Bud isn't somehow in on this, which creates them going down different trails to kind mm-hmm. of figure out what everyone else is doing. <laughs> so it gets to this point. And, and Taylor, I think we're basically at the scene. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Exley. Because so, so what? What? What avenue did he tell Spacey? Because like I'm gonna go check out Pierce yes. Patrick's girl. What did yes. he tell Kevin Spacey? He, to go he do? tells him to go to the corner to find out. That's right. The bot. The ID on the body that they the found ID under in the, the house. Bus. So they, it was Buzz Meeks, right? Okay. Yep. And Buzz and then Meeks. Goes, and then was Dudley's partner all those days. Yes. And Stenslin. They and all Stenslin. worked together. Right. So anyway, so- <laughs> Exley goes to pursue. Lynn. You know, his own Lynn. selfish. And I think that was intentional. I think Exley By him. down. Yes. He chose. He wanted to go do this part. Okay. Himself. So this is, this is. <sighs> okay. So he shows up at her house. Hold on. Hold on. You oh, got to go talk ahead, about, you got to talk about. So, so Spacey and Pierce or Jack Vincennes and Exley, they go and tail Bud because they're trying to figure out what's he, what's he's been up to. And they peep on him. When he's at Lynn's house, and Exley's got this look of like extreme jealousy mm-hmm. and like disgust that this woman would be with Bud, and yeah. like you can see it on yeah. his face how upset he is about it. He's it's like, I'm I'm a better man, I'm a better person than this guy, and he's getting <laughs> you know this. the most beautiful girl in town. Like, <laughs> right. and in his mind that can't make sense. And again, I think that's masterful to the, his character because mm-hmm. yeah, the whole movie he's playing it straight. And so the, the good guys should always get, you know what they want in the end, not these guys that are playing it crooked. And so, yeah, I like that scene because like, you can see it in his face. I think he's just, he's not like he's mad and he's jealous at the same time. And it has nothing to do with the case at all. No. Yeah, exactly. It's completely, yeah, its own thing. So he goes to the door after Bud leaves. And this is the weirdest scene in the movie. And it doesn't entirely make sense to me. I think so, it is kind of a weird scene, but I actually, I, I'm ready to, to provide as to why I think it does make sense, but why doesn't it make sense? So 
let's just say what the scene is. He shows up. He asks her a bunch of hard questions about people and things she's involved Bud with. White. Bud White. Like, all this stuff. Definitely on the offensive. Very harsh. Very rude. And she's playing tough right back to him. Mm-hmm. And they essentially get to a moment where she, you know, calls out like, hey, you want to screw over Bud, right? Like you can, you know, having sex with me isn't the same thing, essentially, or it is. And and then they just start having sex. And <laughs> I'm like, she walked into that moment planning to have sex with him, right? Yeah. yeah. Because she was wanting to incriminate him with yeah. Danny DeVito in yep. the closet, taking and you the can pictures, see her trying to look at Danny DeVito as she's having sex with him, trying to make sure he's getting a clear shot of him, that it's him, you know, having sex with her. To me, I need help understanding how they coordinated that so perfectly that they knew he would show up and that he would have sex with her in that moment. Like that they just knew he would because, because- the, I don't know necessarily that he'd given off that he was just like would just do that with who he was as a cop. It kind of seems like a a kind of against how he would handle being a cop in in some ways. Yeah, and I mean because what sets this up is Patchett gives DeVito and Lynn the the heads up that Exley's going to come around. I think right. that's kind of implied when he interrogates him earlier in the day. But okay. yeah, it I, I understand that part. It's more like, did her boss like leave her no choice but to do that? Because like I was under the intention that like or like the impression that like she wasn't being like threatened or like completely controlled. Like her like her participation in the company was pretty consensual as far as like what yeah, she was doing. And- but remember, she kind of reveals to Bud White when he comes back and he's cause she knows that it was going to be used as blackmail because she's waiting for Bud to show up all pissed off. Yeah. And, it, and and I think, doesn't she say that, you know, it was the only way like they said it was going to keep either him safe or her safe. I don't remember exactly the reason as to why she had to do what she had to do, but I think she viewed it as blackmail that she could use to like leverage whatever bud needed. Oh, okay. And yeah, cuz he had that compromised position in the force and everything and so kind of gave him yeah. upper hand. And, and I think go ahead. No, sorry. I I I do I think I do give credit to them to for thinking she could do it cuz if anyone's going to tip Ed Exley over the edge in that way, it's going to be her. They're going to use the most beautiful. That's what she does. Every guy that crosses her path is going to sleep with her or, or you try know, to or try to. Yes. I mean, that's, right. and so I think they have that confidence that she can do it, you know, just put them in the same room. It's going to happen. But I also do think it plays, you know, Eggsley. I think it's almost like a part of him has to sleep with her. He feels that in him <laughs> from that scene when he witnessed, they needed that scene there because you see that jealousy. It's like Bud White got this most beautiful girl in town and he's, you know, the whole movie, this guy's a dog. He's a scumbag. He shouldn't be on the force. Why is he getting Not why am the smartest? I, yeah, I'm the smartest, most capable, you know, prince on, on the force, and I should be treated as such. And like, yeah. so he's trying to take what's his in that moment. He's like, I want what Bud has because I deserve it kind of thing. And you got the other aspect. He's a single dude, you know, yeah. <laughs> probably he's not. He probably hasn't. He's not sleeping around doesn't have a wife at home, you know? So it's like, he's got what? needs. He's got needs <laughs> that have built up that are going to tip any, you know, any man and over the ball, edge in that man. situation. 
and so all of that kind of makes sense to me. It's just an extremely jarring and abrupt scene, no matter how many times you watch it. Especially knowing the hatred between the two of them. And you know the pure rage of Bud Bud in this movie. I mean, the freaking, like, in the interrogation scene... I forgot to bring this up. He he goes in there and gets rough with one of them, and he freaking drops all the ammo out of his revolver, but then still puts the gun in the guy's mouth yeah. and keeps pulling the trigger. I don't know why that still was scary, but it was terrifying. It's <laughs> like I knew there was no bullets in there, but well, still I thought was... he kept one bullet in. Oh, there. did he that keep one? In? He kept oh, okay. one. Yeah, okay. he kept one in there. Okay, I thought he dropped them all out. Roulette. Yeah, yeah he's just gonna yeah. keep going. I don't know. I it, love it. it it is jarring and abrupt that scene, but in the end, to me, it made sense with Eggs's character. It makes in the sense. End, it, in the end, he wants what Bud. Well, he what he thinks he couldn't have. He wants to take. He hates Bud, and so of he course he's going to try to. You know, he doesn't care if that's going to. He wants to kind of do that to him. You know what I mean? In yeah. a way, it sets up he's the best scene in the movie. So one hundred percent. It's yeah. worth it for me. <laughs> to see Eggsy just get the shit beat out of him. <laughs> oh my gosh. That scene is shot so well, dude. But uh, just continue, continue, continue Ben. All over. So we've got this beautiful setup, right? And it goes to the, the third act of this movie. Well, wait, just... we, we can't skip Spacey's moment. We can't. And that's what I'm getting to right oh, okay, here. Okay. So at this point, Eggsy did his bid. And Taylor, you already referenced this. Uh, actually gives a speech of why he's a cop and he talks about Rollo Tomase and how that was the guy that killed his dad and got away with it, right? And we never found him. And he's frustrated. He's out there trying to find those guys that thought, you know, that they got away, away with, with it. it, but he wants to be the one to find them. And so they can't. So they actually have to serve and, you know, justice will be served in that way. So he tells Spacey this story, puts it in his head. And it's like, okay. Spacey at this point, you know, Exley's boning down and Spacey goes to Dudley's house. Because he's like, Dudley, this shit doesn't line up. I need some help from you to figure yeah. out what's going on. And oh, this reveal is so fucking good. Like, Dudley's it is so good. So Dudley is so good. calm and nice when he shows up, dude. So calm. And he has this just warm. Dudley plays it straight. He's the Irish <laughs> captain. And because he's playing, he's warming to Bud, but he's also warming to Exley. He's uh-huh. being a good captain the whole he movie. gives people the info they need to progress like he tells yeah. them what they need to know in any respect and he's like kind of like down on their level he's like yo this is how it is and this is how you're gonna need to do it if you want to actually make things happen the the setup of spacey showing up at his house unannounced knocking on his door dudley comes to the door with his robe on and he's like you're lucky the the daughters and the wife are gone at the beach come yeah. on in you know it's like oh, okay he's just a dad you know yeah normal dude sitting at his house he's making spacey some tea spacey's unloading everything he knows all this shit about but the bud meeks right yeah uh, buzz, Stenson, meeks. buzz meeks excuse me all this information that he's just like look at this this doesn't line up i need your help what's going on here and at this point dudley's like all right he's getting really close he's gonna figure out this is all my shit so what's he do he makes him some tea turns around and shoots him right in the heart well, I Bro. love he asks him right now. He's like, oh, have you told anyone <laughs> yeah. else? He's like, no, That's I came right. straight from the morgue to here. So as soon as he yes. knows that, I got to cut the tire, the line of communication right here, right now. I can Right stop. here. And it's shocking, dude. It oh, yeah. Blindsides you the first time. Completely. It's out of nowhere. I wasn't smart enough to think, even suspect Dudley. And Dudley's got a face that's just kind of like, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. I mean, after this movie, you're like, he's not. But going into it, you're like, yeah, this guy's solid. Should be solid. Um, 
maybe a little, you know, a little sketchy, a little not by the book on everything, but overall, okay. So yeah. at this point, it's revealed. It's like, wow, okay, this is the guy. And Spacey, in this moment, he's bleeding out. He does not have, there's no, it's obviously, there's no way he's going to survive. And what is the one thing he says to Dudley? Well, Dudley asks him basically, like, Any who's, final... your, who's your source? Like, where'd you find all this? Right. Well, no, didn't he? Didn't he just say like, "What's your? Do you have any final words?" Yeah, like, final words. Shoot, yeah, yeah. He, he, like, he, asked he, him, like, he he asked him who he was like corroborating with. Like, and what is watch, he? And but then so he goes, yeah. And then he goes, Rolo to Mossy and dies in his like, dying breath. Right. And so and at I this think point, I think it's the best death scene of all time. Like, ooh, I, think I like Kevin, that. Kevin Spacey's like you. He does not blink when when he takes his last breath. And the camera stays on him for at least uh-huh. like 15 seconds. And I'm every time I watch it, I look even closer. I pay even closer attention to Spacey. He does not move a muscle. His eyes do not move a muscle. I think it, like it's it's really the Kevin Spacey death scene to me is like a standout. And is like, this guy needs an Oscar for this. Like, I don't know how. I honestly don't know how he was not nominated in this. Because I do think if you're going to nominate someone in this movie, it's Spacey. No question. I'm thinking about that, he pulls off that perfect death where it looks like he dies with his yeah, acting. Like he, he looks really like does. he dies. What I don't, I've never watched someone die actually. But that's what I would assume it looks like. It's incredible, yeah. incredible. Dude, it's nitpick. So you know, what's his face? Deadly's pretty good at getting bodies moved around without any evidence ever getting you know, pulled back to him. I guess he's got enough goons on the payroll. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, all the goons stuff, that right? show up at the end of the movie, I mean, yeah, there's at least like 12 his. of them, you know? It's like... I was like, there'd be a mess in his kitchen, but I guess he <laughs> takes care of it, so. Oh, yeah. He's well, got he's people be- on He's becoming on like an dial. L.A. crime lord at that point. So, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's got a lot of resources. Right. So, at this point, Vicenza is dead. He has no chance to interact with Exley again, but obviously he's freaking... Smart he's as hell. The, he's left the breadcrumb <laughs> right before crucial, his death. Crucial. Crucial. Possibly the like, most crucial piece of it all. <laughs> the movie falls. Left. It all falls down most likely if he doesn't get that part in. Yeah. And just to, to have the awareness that's like, how am I going to spend my last moments for him yeah. to do that? It's fucking badass. It's, it's genius. That's why Spacey is key in this movie. He's so damn good. Because just hot one, take. I think this is a better moment than the Kaiser Sose moment than usually sus- usual suspects. Like, yes. I think I think the moment that's better is the next day when Captain Dudley's like, "I want two man teams scouring every part of the city. We're gonna find his killer." Yeah, <laughs> and then he he's like, "Actually, he's like, uh, I ran into like a, a a block, like an obstacle on this this one report. I was wondering if you could find a guy named Rolo Tomasi." for me it's and just like just oh shit i love the blood from his the, face it shows his face change <laughs> yes. so dude it's i'm telling you it, it's such a good scene because it just the camera stays on his face yes from the before and after and you just see the shift but it's not like a you know a like a throwback reaction it's just uh-uh. so subtle but you see it and you it's feel like, it Oh shit! <laughs> you feel like yeah, you feel like the blood leaving like your body. He's just ghost white at that point. But he plays it pretty well, like just kind of almost like he's just thinking, like yeah, he's have like, I heard uh. that before. 
you know, it's it's pretty masterful. And that's where the oh, cast yeah. really shines through is in these small moments that are massive moments that you're like, crap, dude. Like, they're going to actually figure this out through that breadcrumb right there. Love it. But there's a little hitch. <laughs> there's pictures of Exley, Bone, and Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> and, Russ, and Bud is going to see these pictures <laughs> shortly. Dudley's Very not shortly. stupid. So he's, he, he, he take, he's taking Bud on, you know what he is probably he doesn't know to be his last little outing where he's uh-huh. you know beaten Danny DeVito acting like he has some information and he spills the beans about the photos that were in the trunk bud sees him you know dudley he just he knows bud's gone and he's going to go murder at Exley. No we forget to talk about bud ripping Danny DeVito out of a chair that's screwed to the floor. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude, Russell Crowe, yes. Bud White and chairs in this movie. Remember when he busts the back of the chair? Yes. When, when you know, in, at the Exley interrogation scene, when, when the guys are talking about the woman that was kidnapped, that's when Bud starts getting real angry. Yeah. And you just see him bust that chair in half. And it just, yes. like, dude, this yes. guy is, he's insane. And he he's throws un- a chair out the window when he's fighting eggs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Him and chairs, that scene, dude. That part is hilarious because it, it makes no sense why he did that. <laughs> it's not even in Exley's direction. He's oh, just oh, mad, bro. At that point, he's, he's taking in what Exley has told him. And he's he's so mad, but he can't take it on on Exley, and so he throws the chair out the window. He yeah, has to go somewhere, somewhere exactly. Yeah, because dude, the dude is a wrecking ball of destruction. One hundred percent. I don't Wherever think we've given goes. enough credit to how many angry outbursts this guy's had, and all the unusual strength that he has shown throughout this. It's movie. so good. It's fantastic. It's so over the top. Uh, so at this point, like you said, you've seen the pictures. Where's he going next? Obviously. Actually, he's just doing a little detective work in the library. <laughs> Being the Boy it's, Scout, you know. It's, it's pouring rain outside. It's super dramatic. It's yeah. quiet. It's set up great. And you see Bud open the door, and then this ominous music starts playing. And then he just starts beating the living shit. Well, he shows him the picture. He doesn't even say a yeah. word to him. Ed's like, hey, you want to come take a look at this? And he just shows him the picture, and he's like, oh, shit. And at this point, Exley knows he needs to work with Bud yes. to kind of bring this whole thing together. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a pretty crazy turn for Exley, actually, because he hated Bud the whole movie. But at this point, he really has pushed down that hatred. Well, in yeah, a... I th- yeah, well, I think he's it's a, it's a step realizing Dudley who he is. Yeah. I think it's it's almost like, okay. Maybe I need to start coming down to Bud's level of justice because yes. I cannot go about this the way that I've been going about justice this whole movie. I can, you, you couldn't. You, it wouldn't work. You cannot take out Dudley doing Exley's method. You he just keeps can't. getting empty medals. That's he's just going to keep yeah. getting all these awards that mean nothing. And that's what I that love way. that scene. And you can uh, Taylor, I'll give you the quote because it's the best quote of the movie. Maybe. <laughs> and when when he asks him, he's like, "Hey, do you want to? Do you really want to take out Dudley?" With a wrecking ball. Want to help, <laughs> help me swing it? It's yeah, such dude. a good line, dude. It's, it's such a, a good line. line. It's a great delivery. I mean, you could like read that on paper and say this is pretty cheesy. but Or pretty stupid. But it's it works. No, it's great. Dude. Well, especially it after getting the shit kicked out of you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, we haven't talked about this enough. For me, it was so cathartic to see Bud beat the shit out of Exley. <laughs> I think he needed it. 
I think yeah, he needed, needed to be to happen mold- he needed, needed to clear the air. He's they been held to- back too many times in the movie from kicking his teeth in. So he, yeah, has he to goes have his full Dark Knight. Sorry to bring it up, but it's freaking Batman dude, Heath Ledger we're not, we're throwing bringing, him over. We're not bringing Dark Knight in. He throws him over the <laughs> desk, dude. Like he does yeah. everything. Like he's doing the same shit. It's fantastic. Just killing him. Actually, has no chance. He needed it. Bud needed it. The they audience need it. needed it. We all needed it. I think yeah, Exley knew he kind of deserved it at that point, too. I think he was like, let's no, get it did. over with. He I needed, needed my something. spanking. He yes. needed a little spanking, dude. <laughs> yes. Bud needed to put it down, and he needed to take it. And he did. He's like, all right, you got it out of your system? All right, let's go get the real bad guy here. If for some reason you've listened to this for an hour and you haven't seen this movie <laughs> and you don't plan on it, just YouTube this scene because it's pretty good. It's incredible. It's a little funny, I think. Just with how over the top it is, when he chucks the chair through the window, it's uh, it's just but great yeah. movie making. It's a it, great it moment. Great. I like the end of that when he you know asks him when does he want to swing it because now we finally see after the whole movie, we see these two guys who have totally different views and approaches on justice that are finally going to converge to yes. finally and it just totally balances it out because it's energy baby. Yeah, and again, I think Dudley. What made actually Captain Dudley convincing and good captain was he recognized the two senses of justice and he Mm -hmm. utilized them the best way he could. Because I think you have to recognize there is a balance here you have to strike. There's not one way to go about things. Some things you can take care of, you know, going by the book and some things you have to get dirty a little bit if you really want quote unquote justice to be served the right way. And so I love that moment where they're both Eggsley especially kind of realizes, hey. I need Bud and I need his methods. You know, I need to sink, sink down to his level for a minute. And Bud has this complex of being kind of a dumbass. Like he's not, (laughs) he's not a dumbass, but like, he's not the smartest. Like he doesn't, think about stuff he just kind of yeah. acts his I'm anger not a smart man <laughs> yeah. his anger just gets in the way you know his he's anger, a very right. emotional and reactive person and i think that kind of prohibits him from really yeah and like, he had a few moments in the movie where he's like i need to slow down i need to think like yeah. what, what what is going on here what's the angle here and so we get this great last stretch of the movie where they're together in sync and we get to kind of see them both be yes. weaponized as like this perfect duo of brains and brawn. The and DA yes. scene, dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. First stop is the DA. <laughs> and we get a great, puts the whole kind of what the reality of the situation is. Uh, DA's not going to play games. You know, he's like going to pretend like nothing's up. And of course, you know, Bud gets to dangle him outside his window. Yeah. Which is like what fifteen floors up or something. It was so I'm, good. I'm always impressed with anyone that does the dangle the guy out of the window scene because oh, I'm yeah. like, M- you're dropping that guy, right? Oh, you just yeah. slip a little bit and he's gone. He's probably dude. getting sweaty. Yeah, it, dude. He's yeah. wiggling. I don't know. I, I love that scene because they both understand at that moment. Like Eggsley understands um, that, uh, you know, like he's. He's not going to be the one doing the beating in that moment. Like uh-huh. he's kind of standing back he knows. and he's just going to like, he's like, Oh, like he's talking to the DA, but he's not going to take any action. He knows like Bud's the muscle in the situation. So he's just going to let him run with it. So that yeah, they cop, both had cop. It's yeah. like you said, they both kind of blend together and they just, they totally, when they intertwine with kind of their both, their approach um, of justice in that moment, I just think it's so good. But like in, in reality, do you think you could do that to a district attorney with no consequences? Maybe in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. In, in the fifties, oh, that's the thing. The, the guy has so Wild much West, dirt baby. on him. 
right? They, he they can't he can't do anything. They they have so much dirt on that guy, and the yep. DA knows he has to comply, you know, or he's out of a job. I mean, I'm surprised they even let him continue on, and like they just know he's a scumbag. But mm-hmm. now they have blackmail that they can kind of use him use on him later. Playing so. that game, 100. percent So it brings us to the final showdown, where they're baiting. Dudley and his guys to show up, or does he sets them up at the motel? It's a me. trap. Yeah, yeah it's Dudley, a trap. Right. Dudley Dudley acts, he he's able to communicate. Pierce thinks uh, Crow is telling him to to come to the location, and vice versa, because they right. both show up and they're like, "Hey, you made the call. Like, why do you want to meet you out here?" And they right. both realize in that moment, and they're just like, "Oh shit!" They see the this- cars coming up. <laughs> One of the greatest finales of all time. That's awesome. It's the, such a great scene. The abandoned motel is a fantastic shootout. The scene, motel man. shootout. It's so oh, good. Dude, and they hole up in there and they're super crafty. It's just fun. And you're tracking owning dudes. And you're tracking the whole fight. I hate when you get these gunfights. You're like, how'd they not get killed? And this scene comes off realistic to me that it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They outsmarted them. They played to their strengths and what they had. They get hurt but they still push through fantastic shootout. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. We finally get Dudley. He's here to clean up, right? He waited to the last moment after they're both hurt. He's going to put them in their grave and they pull through. Yeah. They, they manage to, uh, Bud takes a few shots, but then he gets to stab him in the back of the kneecap with his knife, his trusty knife, which we've seen a few times in the show. Right. And he gets shot in the face. And well, he's shot in the face. <laughs> through the right cheek. Through the cheek. I, yeah, like, it's kind of crazy he didn't die. But It I is kind of crazy he didn't die. Eh. It's a little eh. weird. But it's Bud. It's Bud, dude. Yeah. It's a, Bud. He's a yeah, beast, I, I've, So, yeah, I've kind of had two issues, you know, like, approaches to that. So, it's like the typical noir ending. Because, you know, this is a very noir movie. Like, it's uh-huh. a very neo-noir feel. Definitely because of the time period, but also because of the content and, you know, there's no good characters. I mean, that's a noir is you can't you're rooting for you're constantly rooting for, you know, shady or, you know, not black and white, good and bad people. Mm-hmm. There's always just going to be everyone with problems. But so I guess the the true noir ending here would have been Dudley getting away with it. And Bud dies and Pierce kind of runs with, you know. I guess the hero or politics of the whole thing mm-hmm. to me, that's like, you know, a Chinatown type ending that yeah. that's the ending you take there. But this kind of, to me, it kind of felt like it goes a little over the top of it kind of overcorrects like, okay, Dudley can get his, but does bud need to live to make, mm. I mean, it's almost just feels like it's the bow is tied a little too perfectly with bud they- surviving it. And I think the ending with Bud living is more for Lynn's sake than it is his sake. I think they wanted to give her that closure with him more than they need, like, cared about Bud surviving. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's that's that. to me thematically why, because you're right. Like he should have died, like the way he got shot. Yeah, like not just times. because he got shot a million times, but also because right? of like what like... he was. You know, like in yeah. some ways he was like a. He was like plagued. He was burdened by this this evil world that he'd lived in his whole life from childhood was just horrible. You know, it it almost would be putting him out of his misery in a sense because he knows how corrupt this place is. Um, so I yeah. think it could have worked either way. I, and I, I, you know, I hadn't thought a lot about it, but I, I, I can totally see what you're saying. 
as far as a, it is a little over the top for him to get that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like, oh, I wanted Bud to die. I mean, no, I, no, I love yeah, that, you know, they're still around and you have it. And it's it, it is interesting the way they because you almost think Bud died mm-hmm. until the very like because you see Exley do the whole explanation of the whole story. And yep. then you see him. I love that he still says, hey, you need a hero to pin to this whole thing. So <laughs> yeah, he still wants that. He medal. still gets his hero and <laughs> still gets his medal. And he still runs with that. But now he's a he is a changed man because I do think he with Bud, he's realized, you know, he has a new way to pursue his career now. But, you know, you don't know Bud's alive until literally he comes out and he sees him in the car. It's like, oh, car. Bud's Bud's alive. And it's almost just like, is that just for the audience to not be like that much more, I don't know, pissed off or like a little bit more, I don't know, happy about it? I just felt like I could have gone either way. If Bud died and almost I could see it being more meaningful to Exley's character to now he has like the legacy of both, you know, uh, Vincennes and Bud White. And he's kind of taking the lessons from both of them that he can now pursue, you know, with their legacies kind of, but with Bud being alive, I don't know. Maybe it makes Kevin Spacey's character stand out that much more. The fact that they're both alive too, which I, I like about that, actually, that he's the only one that dies of the two of them or the three of them. Excuse me. Yeah. And, and I do love, you know, he dies, the moment he chooses to to do the right thing, you know, uh-huh. and change the course of his career as well. I, I like the ending because the first conversation in the movie between Dudley and Exley, he says, do you have what it takes to shoot a man in the back for justice? And he says, you don't have that, right? So the the growth of the character is oh, that yeah. full circle. He has it is full a, circle. It's totally. Closure. So yeah. he has he's learned and developed where he's willing to shoot a man in the back for justice. Yeah. Because that's the choice, right? It's keep things the way they were, or is he going to grow and do the right thing? Even if it's not the morally ideal, get down in the mud, idealist. Yeah. Or his way. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the great point. That's a great callback to that moment because it's true. Yeah. And that's where the arc gets completed. You know, that Mm -hmm. actually got his full arc. The sense gets his full arc, and Bud actually gets his full arc of essentially embracing that this town is not the best place for him, right? <laughs> if he stayed there, he's only going to keep finding more of this because it doesn't stop with Exley at this movie. You know, with with the way the movie ends, the LA Police Department doesn't just get better; like it's a little bit better probably, but it's still like it's a deep seated thing that has to oh, be yeah. rooted out. Well, that's the thing is, I love at the end, it's not expo- Dudley isn't exposed. Right. The police force realize this is just too much. <laughs> like, too big. We can't. The city will fall apart if this right. is what gets out there. It's it's funny how like you still have politics, you know, getting in the way of true transparent justice, you know, in the end. It's just like no, like things are still kind of going to be the way they are, covered up and shady, but yes. justice will still kind of kind of I don't know. Move forward the way it is. Yeah, become a little more prevalent. So it gets back to my last little nitpick interaction. Lynn and Exley. There's this, you know, send off that Exley gives Lynn and Bud, you know, starting Mm -hmm. their new life. And and Lynn and him kind of have this tender moment where they kind of look at each other longingly and like, yeah, we did it. Like, we really pulled this off. (laughs) And I'm like, how did you guys... (laughs) 
get to this, that you guys are like, <laughs> yeah, on the same page. Like, I agree. You literally tried to screw each other over at the exact same time. And now you're like, yeah, this is great. And I get Exley and Bud having a moment. And I really, really, really wish that Bud would have just taken Exley's hand and been like, Eskimo bros for life and rolled up the window <laughs> just left <laughs> you know like because that's what they are at this point you know I don't know did you guys feel the same way because I was a little frustrated that Exley and her kind of like being cute to each other I was like I, yeah, I, I didn't get where this friendship was from it, they had what one interaction they had and one conversation in angry sex that's literally <laughs> yeah. their friendship it did right. I mean was this happening off screen that's what I don't know yeah, I don't, I don't also, know. They, they all they needed was her to be in the car, and he, you know, see her and Bud yes. at the same time. They didn't. I don't. You're right. I don't know that he and Kim Basinger needed their own moment. They oh, they needed fine. to give each other a nod of respect. Yes, like we did the thing we set out to do. It got a little messy, but you know what? I couldn't have done it without you, and you couldn't have done it without me. We go our separate ways, dude. Yeah. Also, also, how hard did Bud slap her in that okay. scene? Because her face, her face is mangled beyond comprehension, and he kind of just slapped her a couple times. Bro, Wasn't that he like hit a, her hard, dude. Bro, that was a Bud White ten percent strength slap. Yeah, I watched it. He did not hit her like ten percent. If he goes eleven, she's dead. I'm I'm dead serious. She's dead, dude. Head off her head. Of course, like, he's letting up. He's not going to go. He's not going <laughs> to hit her go. the same way he's hitting. The guys in the chair that Dudley's given him. True. You know what I mean? It's like he's gonna let up. No, it's it's egregious he hit her, but it seemed like I'm like, wait, is she like is her jaw broken? <laughs> like after that hit? Like it didn't look like it was that hard in the scene where he hit her. I was so just kinda... she feels bad for what she did, but I don't think she punished him enough for that hit. He didn't I agree, dude. You know? She should have left him. <laughs> you know what? I can't be with a violent man like you, bud. Because the yeah, whole but thing she is also protecting does, women. She, she doesn't have the right, you know, she doesn't have the right upbringing or the right True. perception of, she's not in the right place to it's fall the 1950s, that, you know what I mean? you know? Yeah, it's the 50s and look at her life deal. so far. She's right. had nothing but cheating guys, you know, sleeping with. And so That's, it's just like, I don't know. You're right. You're right. I I don't know. I just think Bud, you know, crossed the line slapping her like that. Oh, he hundred percent. I know he was pissed. He was pissed, but come on, come on. At least he didn't kill her. Guys, thank you for doing this journey of LA Confidential with me. I think we've talked about it plenty enough to realize that this movie is fantastic. It's a little scattered, but just like the movie, you know, it's hard to talk about this movie in a linear fashion. It is because so many things pop out to you at different times that you want to address but maybe at different points in the movie and different character points, mm-hmm. you know, in the mm-hmm. movie. But overall, I mean, my final thoughts on this are, I think it's one of the greatest films I've ever made. Mm. Um, I can watch this. I probably do watch this at least once a year. Top five. Um, maybe top 10. Okay. I, I mean, right. it could be a top five. I, I think there's an argument yeah. to be in there. I just, I do love this movie. Um, again, I think Spacey, you know what a shitty dude really though in real life but like i don't I, I was surprised i think this is the first time i've actually seen it maybe no i probably have seen it since since the whole thing came out with spacey but yeah it doesn't affect my viewing dude it it just doesn't and i'm glad it doesn't and his performance is good enough to transcend that for me to just look i, I i'm willing to just take spacey at face value in this movie and i don't have to 
you know, think about him in his personal life. I love watching his performance. He deserved an Oscar. He's the heart and center of the movie. And I'm glad that we have two Aussies just killing it in this movie. Pierce and yeah. Crow bringing real strength to the Australian <laughs> community. Just like <laughs> really good. bringing the representation here because it's just, it's a huge role uh, for both of them that really did springboard a lot of their, I think most of their career. I mean, before this, they both of them really hadn't done huge. I mean, did Crow do a big breakout movie before this? I, I couldn't think of one. I mean, I have to I look it up. I don't think so. It seemed like they went on to do bigger things after this movie. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. No, they both had really strong early 2000s careers, especially. Yeah, like, for sure. I mean, Oscar. I mean, there were Oscar noms and, and wins from both of them. Right. Um, and yeah, I it's it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I love it. It's um, the movie's so smooth. Like, it's, yeah. It's it's a great one you can have on in the background. I think it's extremely rewatchable. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is fantastic. Just this great 1950s vibe. It's if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. That's I think I think that's our message here. Tough thing about this, it's not on Amazon to watch. You can't rent it on Amazon. It was only really? Apple for me. Yeah, it was strange. Yeah. That so is a little strange. shout out that I don't know it was on streaming a lot. It was on Netflix forever. Um but go to Apple. You can rent it on Apple. Or however else you want to buy it, you know, go buy it, buy this movie. You won't regret it. Own it. Yeah, I own, own it. this. Own this. One, one last little tidbit. I'm actually curious if any of you've heard of it. So there was a TV pilot for LA Confidential. They were going to turn it into a TV series, hmm. and it looked after? like it was yeah after the movie. Interesting. And there was a TV movie. Um, it, it, it well, it looks like it's only the pilot. Um, it's called LA Confidential. It came out in 2003. And you have Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Vincennes. Huh. Um, I've never seen it. It's only 47 minutes. <laughs> it's a pilot <laughs> that never got picked up. But it also has like a 6.9 on IMDb, so it doesn't sound like it was half So it's bad. not a complete train wreck. Interesting. Yeah, but anyway, it's interesting huh. that there was a, an additional follow-up to try to capitalize on this movie. So somebody realized this was... I mean, this would make a good TV series, I think. You oh, could yeah. follow these detectives on many adventures you could flesh this one out too yeah and like if you want to expand the story so well worth your time everybody please go watch this one let us know what you think guys this was a good time rollo tamase till next time <laughs> hush hush can you, do, can you close us out with a little danny devito the city sleeps <laughs> the detectives have found justice but crime still lurks around the corner hush hush Perfect. What is that? Keep it on the QT. Keep it on the QT. And when I know, so will you. Signing off. Hush, hush.